Hey everyone, we're not going to do questions this week, um, and we're also absent Zena, sadly. Horrible Wi-Fi connections and the storms that she's been having to deal with. So unfortunately, because of a lot of other reasons, no Zena today, just me and Megan. Um, and I already derailed away from the thing I first said when this all started. And no questions this week, but for a reason. Because of what is now the officially the, the Writers Guild of America and... Screen Actors Guild of America's uh, concurrent strikes in Hollywood, we thought, especially being a part of an organization that is a part of a studio, we should probably talk a little bit about continuing to do this podcast during the strikes and what some people might be viewing as, I don't think anyone would look at us like, oh, you're scabs, since we're literally just talking about movies, but and mostly movies, some TV shows and games and books, but just kind of wanted to clear the air about like what's going on now and like, and our thoughts about continuing to do the show. And Megan especially is in the world a lot more than I am with her news reporting and her interviews and her ties with the screenwriters and the actors. So I kind of figured that I'd leave it up to her to just kind of talk about just the, the discussions that have been going on behind the scenes about all this. Um, yeah, so this, I think this really was prompted because, you know, the WGA, the Writers Guild, they've been striking for weeks now. I I don't even remember the tally. I feel like it was like 12 to 17 weeks, something like that. So they've been at it. I think they're up to day 68 or 86. (laughs) Yeah. So they've been at it a while. Um, but officially the Screen Actors Guild, SAG-AFTRA, um, the union that represents American film and TV actors, officially joined them after contract negotiations with the Alliance Motion, a motion picture and television producers, the AMTP, they fell through. So they joined them last week, and that's an even bigger deal that threw in a whole bunch of confusion online, which is what prompted us to be, you know, we had these discussions behind the scenes and, and how we wanted to address it. Um, So this is historic because it's the first time in six decades that both unions are on strike at the same time. So that's a big deal. The WGA didn't, I don't want to say it didn't make a big fuss, but it's a bigger deal because SAG-AFTRA are, that means no stars. The stars um, cannot do anything remotely related to promotion of struck companies or struck studios. So It caused a lot of confusion over the weekend. What does this mean as SAG-AFTRA is trying to get their bearings? Because they just started. So they've got a lot of things that they've got to sort out on their end, uh, organization purposes. And because the last time Hollywood striked, there wasn't such a thing as influencers, influencer culture, (laughs) um, which blurs the lines dramatically because a lot of them are fans or just flat out influencers, which do contractual promotions for movies with studios. Hmm. And that's something that is struck right now that is not allowed and so like that's where a lot of social media if you are on social media and you saw a lot of people being like well where is the line because nobody wants to cross the picket line so i thought that i would start with a definition of what scabbing is because that's a a phrase that got thrown around a lot so officially you know if you go to webster they define it as a worker who refuses to join a labor union a a union member who refuses to strike or returns to work before a strike has ended, or a worker who accepts employment or replaces a union worker during a strike, and one who works for less than union wages or non-union terms. So 
You have to, that doesn't apply to podcasts like us. Um, We aren't studio owned. We aren't studio run. We don't accept fees for promotion. And we don't do guests that have, you know, a lot of podcasts do have guests um, that are part of the SAG union that would not be allowed to be on any episode. So hopefully that's clear cut so far. Um, I thought it would be good to kind of touch on, there's a whole lot of information if you go to the WGA site or the SAG-AFTRA site that kind of breaks it down further. And obviously we'd be here all day if we were going to discuss it in depth. But some of their sticking points has a lot to do, for both guilds, has a lot to do with residuals. There's no metrics for streaming. Um, The studios can say whatever they want numbers wise, and there's nothing transparent about it, which means that nobody's getting residuals. And in the case of SAG-AFTRA, the minimum you have to earn to qualify for health insurance in this guild is $26,000. That's how much you have to earn a year. Only 13% of their members qualify. What? Yeah. So I just want to, you know, whatever, this isn't meant to like paint a picture of what side you should be on. It's just, they're fighting for fair labor wages. And here's an example, because we only see 13% of stars making a lot of money. The rest cannot even, they don't even make minimum wage to be able to afford insurance. Right. I'll save my outrage over the things that the studio is doing. That was more just a reaction of, I I can't believe that that it's that number. It's it's, 13% is just, dude. I I didn't expect that at all. Yeah, it's pretty egregious. Um, And the other sticking point that has been coming out a lot is the use of AI. Um, Mm -hmm. At the press conference announcing the strike, National Executive Director and Chief Negotiator Duncan Crabtree Ireland said that the AMTP's proposal for AI proposed that our background actors should be able to be scanned, get paid for one day's pay, and their company should own that scan, their image, and their likeness, and to be able to use it for the rest of eternity for any project they want, no consent and no compensation. In other words, they will hire an actor for one day's work, and they will never be able to work again because they own their image. Yeah, so... They literally thought that that was... That that made sense to them. Yes, this is this they're, is. They're like, oh yeah, totally. We we should be able to own the rights to their likeness for the rest of their lives after one day's work without any compensation. They're like, yeah, that that totally makes sense. That makes total what? Yeah, and that's why the negotiations for these contract rules broke down because these were specific sticking points that the AMTP did not budge on, and here we are striking. So that's like. A very broad overview. So just to kind of recap, for guild members, it means that they cannot promote struck work, as in they can't promote any work done for the studios that they're striking against. Writers have been picketing for weeks now. They've shut down Hollywood. But actors being unable to promote is a bigger deal because that's the front face of of Hollywood for many people. So that means no press tours, no red carpets, no appearances of any kind at San Diego Comic-Con, podcast appearances, things like that are forbidden. To do so would be crossing the picket line, getting them blacklisted um, to work around. Comic-Con's this week, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, it's going to be very different. Yeah. So that's why there's a lot of scrambling and a lot of misinformation out there is because it's so new. It's so fresh. This hasn't been a thing in for decades. So there's a lot to navigate in a short period of time. Um, so, you know, there's the concern that studios are going to to try and uh, reduce a lot of the disruption that, that a strike naturally causes. They're going to be 
looking to non-guild members and influencers to, you know, like coax them into doing promotion. And that's what's called scabbing. Um, And it's been happening a lot. Listeners, for those of you who aren't involved in in entertainment at, at any of those levels or or that level of social media or whatever, it's shocking the number of people that are like, oh, yeah, I've been basically getting a form email. Yeah. It's like if I'm interested in working and they can't not just because they don't not because they don't want to necessarily or that they don't need to, but because if they do. Then they go on a list with the guilds and they'll saying, never okay, get in, yeah. when it's over, you're never going to get in or you're never going to work again. Correct. So, and, and the studios are, I mean, obviously the studio is going to do what the studio is going to try and do. Yeah. Like uh, uh, they've already come out. One of the big, one of the horrible things that came out with the writer's guild recently was a studio member was basically told like dead spin or something crazy. Our plan is to stay on strike until at least October. Yeah. Because by then we figure that the writers are not going to have any money left. They're going to be kicked out of their homes and they're going to have no leverage and they're going to have... He publicly like said this. Yeah. This wasn't like, oh, I bet this is what some insane person in a smoky room is plotting. An executive said that. And it went like wildfire through like the picket lines and... Absolutely. And Galvanized, just, yeah. Oh, yes. It turned into solidarity frankly because of that and then supposedly the internals like the studios are so mad like like yeah that was the plan you idiot yeah like so there there's that there's when i first saw the strike was happening is it adam is it conover the adam ruins everything yeah he's been huge with the writer's strike he's been posting a ton of stuff but he was posting the contracts what the writers guild wanted and the studio's responses and I did not read the whole thing, but the one thing I was most curious about before any of this AI stuff came up that I hadn't even heard about with the Screen Actors Guild mm-hmm. was the writers basically said, we we want to control AI. Like, we don't want AI happening. We do not want to give you the right to teach AI how to write like us. Right. Like, we want that to be monitored and, like, by the screen or the, by, like, the writers, whatever. And the studio's response was, no, but how about if we have a meeting once a year to talk about (laughs) advances in technology? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? How much more? (laughs) Without you literally just saying, we want to replace you with AI. That's like the closest you could possibly come. That they're just so upfront. Like we don't want to pay you money anymore. I know, but people want <laughs> people want to make a living wage, and yeah, people should be able to. Um, so basically, that's kind of the gist. And the bottom line, or the bottom takeaway, currently because it's still so fresh, is you really have to take everything case by case because. Yeah. This doesn't affect journalism. Journalism is, and that's what I do. I do journal. I'm a, I'm a journalist, an entertainment journalist, and I'm a film critic. Neither which are beholden to this. Um, we are in solidarity. I feel like I can speak for all three of us, and that we are definitely in solidarity with both guilds and hoping that they get what they deserve: fair wages, living wages. I mean, for real. But we are not beholden to the same. We are not trying to be SAG members. At least I'm not. Xena might be aspiring for the DGA, but that's separate. And they are not going into strike because they they were happy with their contract negotiations. But like different set of rules where it gets 
murkier um, is if, again, you are somebody like an influencer who does uh, paid promotion. And it gets even murkier still when you realize that studios did a lot of banking in advance for for this to happen. Um, There's a lot of stuff that was done junket wise early in case these fell through and it was going to lead to strikes. So you're going to see probably in the month, next month or so banked interviews with like notes that these were conducted before the strike and things like Mm -hmm. that. And that's that's the same thing. If you go to like the SAG site um, or the strike site for both guilds, you'll see like, this does not include contracts that were previously in place. So you that's yeah. that's going to murky up the waters too. So basically, all of this is inside baseball to kind of give context. Um, nothing is black and white. It never is. It's messy and it's going to probably take a little while to smooth out. And as for what it means to listeners and what it means to this podcast, not a whole lot. Um, it's That's just transparency and... I think at most it can cause or will likely cause gaps in the news cycle and the release rundown because there's a whole lot of um, nothing going on in Hollywood right now other than the strikes. We might have to do some more deep dives. Yeah, deep dive like that. I think at most it could change our format, but yeah. but yeah, there's there's no we're not um, promoting a studio. We are not in contract and getting paid by any of these struck companies. We just like to talk about movies and horror mm-hmm. that we love. So, yeah, but it just seemed like we were having discussions about it and the transparency mm-hmm. is always great. So, yeah, if yeah, if there are people out there just wondering like what are your what are your stances or are we crossing the line or whatever. And there are there's been so much discussion about like podcasts and things, fiction podcasts, like audio dramas and things like that. There are rules. Mm -hmm. There literally are like saying rules for people who are in the guild about that participation and et cetera. It's been talked about plenty. I did look it up. Today is officially day 76 of the writer's strike. Ah, see. And there are a lot of pictures popping up of all the Screen Actors Guild members who have joined on the picket lines. Um, So... And I did see on social media yesterday because someone was asking, I think someone asked Neil Gaiman uh, if people should not watch his stuff. Like, if I don't know if Neil has a project out. Maybe it's Good Omens. Good Omens 2, two season. Yeah, the second season. Yeah, about I think that might be it. They're like, so should we not watch new movies that are coming out yeah. and stuff that's streaming? And what I've heard is basically, no, please still go to the theaters. Right. This isn't, this is not the time to strike against the theaters because this is, would be the opportunity for the networks to be like, like if Oppenheimer and Barbie all of a sudden tank, this is their opportunity to be like, oh, well, See, we, the movies, yeah. we, well, we lost money, so we can't pay you. Yeah. We, we can't pay you more money. We just lost a ton of money on this stuff. Where, where do you think we're getting this money from? So instead, like now is the best time to go out into the theaters and be like, hey, Here's the money. Yeah. You don't get to say you don't have it. And then the other point I would just like to also point out, for those of you who are possibly saying, well, they should just get a real job, quote unquote, real job. Sure. And a lot of people do. Oh, like, yeah. Like, like, like Megan said at the top of this, only 13% of the actors have health insurance. There's a lot of people. This It's just a hustle. Yeah. The like rest so of them many other things. are for sure have multiple jobs that they're working yeah. to make their aspirations of acting a thing. So, yeah, yeah. they are working other jobs. But, you know, I feel like oh. art, arts, that, there's a whole separate discussion to discuss how, like, art is not valued yeah. or undervalued. But 
Yeah, I think the only thing that they're asking at this point, they're not asking for boycotts, especially in the discussion with streaming where the numbers are not transparent. Like they don't want that to, you know, they don't want to take be the scapegoat for that when that falls through. The only thing they're asking for is support in, you know, verbal support, sharing stuff that comes from the source. Like if you are active on social media, boosting what they're saying um, and then donating, they have funds Mm -hmm. specifically meant to keep their members afloat when they are not able to work currently. So yeah, that's, that's all they're asking for. They're not asking for anything else. And, you know, we'll just continue to monitor it. Yeah. I mean, there's, I would go online when the, when it first started, I was curious. So I was like, you know, can we buy pizzas or something for the people yeah. who are picketing? And there were people organizing that sort of thing. It's a little difficult depending on where you live to help out in yeah. Hollywood or New York. Uh, one of the places that I started donating to um, when the writer's strike started was the Entertainment Community Fund, Same. which also helps provide money to people who are between jobs or, or they're not able to make ends meet in the meantime. So there are charities out there if you're interested. And from when we're little kids, we see TV and movies and play and music and all these arts yeah. around us. We're entertained by the arts all the time. So from a very young age, these seeds are planted in us. And the bottom line, in my opinion, is yes, you could say, well, you should have planned ahead or you should have got a real job or whatever. You can say that all you want, but no person has a right to interfere with someone else's dream and passion when their dream and passion has been in this entertainment world that's been presented and frankly, in some terms, shoved down our throat our entire lives. <laughs> you don't get to say, hey, consume all that, but you get nothing back ever, even if you want to be a contributor to improve it. So in the end of the day, it's like, listen, <clears throat> Bob Iger, whoever, you're making hundreds of millions of dollars in profit and you're reporting those profits and the request from the people who are creating those profits is a fraction of it. Just let them have a living wage. Don't take their work from them. Like they want to create for you. They literally want to like, don't try and program a computer to make art. Like don't take that away from them is that's the main ask more than anything else. It's, it is definitely, you don't see the million dollar homes and paydays and everything else is such a small fraction of all people who are creating this stuff. It's just the ones we hear about. Like it's the people who aren't making that. It's the, it's the 67% or, or the, the 87% who don't have health insurance. Can't that even afford the that. They don't even meet, yeah. meet 26,000 a year. Yeah. That, that are creating the foundation for all this to be on in the first place. And we just, we it just it makes no sense and i will stand by the exact same sentiments for any corporation that makes billion dollar profits and their and their their employees don't have a living wage if it's walmart if it's amazon if it's whoever like yeah. i totally support people fighting for what they deserve and that's what we stand for here and it's a podcast about movies so of course it would be about this particular strike or these strikes so now that we got all that out of the way <laughs> Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And up is Discuss the Disgusting. You know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And I'm John. I'm a little worried my battery is going to die again this week after what happened last week. See, now I'm on battery power because I was worried about it not being on battery power last week. And now it's on one. 
And now I'm just terrified. Yeah, it just switched to one bar, which which means I should be fine. But I don't know. <laughs> uh, we had to record a little bit early because of conflicts this week, and Zena's Wi-Fi conflicted with her. So unfortunately, no Zena this week. I know. Just the two of us, um, which we do not have the license rights to play and cannot afford. And I think it might make us a scab if I decide to sing any lines of it, so I'm not going to. <laughs> So, if you are listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to look around the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the two of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile, too. So, I'll I'll kick things off. I think I'm going to skip talking about Xena's pick for when Xena can join us next Sounds week. Sounds good. Um, Calvary, uh, because she really should be here to endure that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I endured it, so now she must relive it with me. There you go. In- then I will talk about Megan's pick, 2004's Ginger Snaps 2, available on Shudder. Ginger's sister Bridget, now a werewolf herself, must try to find a cure for her bloodlust before the next full moon while hiding out in a rehab clinic from a relentless werewolf. All right, Megan, why this one? Because it's such a very unexpected approach to the sequel that... Mm. Uh, I feel like nobody really talks about it as much as the first one. And I understand why, but because it's so different, I was really yeah. curious how you liked it or if you liked it. Well, for, and first of all, sorry for the spoilers for Ginger Snaps 1. If y'all haven't seen Ginger Snaps 1, if you haven't, go watch it also on Shudder. Uh, you know, this is a really fun sequel. No, you know, a lot of sequels fall into the trope of of slightly redoing the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know how you do that in Ginger Snaps, considering the actual the the, the arc of the story from the original. I can I can uh, tell you they do it in the third one. They do. They yeah. go back to the first one and the go, third one. They oh, go back two. to the first one, but they set it in a different period. Yeah, it's a prequel sort of thing. Is yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. See, but this this one is a different beast that deserves more love. I think. Yeah, and that works for a prequel because it's basically just another. It's an origin origin story. <laughs> so for the sequel, but I agree. I like the setting. Like all of a sudden, turn this into without giving too much away for like why she would be considered to be in a rehab facility. The fact that you would end up placing it in a rehab facility, given. The information that these people have on the outside would be like, oh, well, yeah, she's a junkie. Like, look at her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so I get it. And it's funny because it was 2004. It felt like a 1990s movie to me. But I guess Ginger Snaps did, too. There's something about the way that it's shot. The cinematography feels very 90s. Yeah. Um. Oh, And it felt a little lower budget for the sequel i'm not sure if it was but it, it definitely fe- it, it almost had a closer to made for tv movie type feel yeah to it it had those moments of cinematic like oh just kind of okay c- yeah cable yeah yes yeah it felt cable um but it was really good for it and there is definitely a twist within it too to like kind of add like a, oh wait what yeah oh we're gonna th- you're gonna throw that at us too yeah and, and then you're gonna be like oh i hate that character so much even though i hated that character like the whole movie and i was just like you are really good at sucking <laughs> <laughs> you're a terrible person i hate you and then it's like ah oh, i gotta hate you more okay fine so go see Ginger Snaps too if you want to find out what I have been vague booking about for the last two minutes. <laughs> um, but I did enjoy it. I was surprised. It, it was it was a really fun sequel yeah. to me, which is interesting because it's not a. I wouldn't call it a fun movie. 
No, I wouldn't necessarily. So I was like, name a fun movie. I wouldn't say Ginger Snaps too, but there's but it was. There's a little bit of like humor to it. I mean, it's similar. Yeah. It's similar to the first one in that there's like a, kind of a dark streak to it, but it's disguised by almost I don't say a lightheartedness, but there is a little bit of a sense of humor. It's almost like macabre humor. It's um, it's not gallows. Gallows yeah. humor. It's kind of gallows humor. It's like self-aware humor. Yeah. Where like the humor is coming from uh, Bridget knowing what's going on. Nobody else knowing what's going on. Thinking she's just a junkie and being annoyed that they're treating her like a junkie. So she's kind of relate that the audience relates to her because we both know the truth. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like as she reacts to some of these things, like you're like, oh, you idiots. Why don't you know? And she's having the same reaction as us. Not through the whole thing, but yeah, (laughs) she definitely has different reactions than us. But yeah, but I enjoyed it. And Coincidentally, I do have a second thing to talk about only only from this morning, ah. in the small window of time I had this morning. And this one's interesting. By chance, Megan, have you heard of 2016's 12 Kilometers? No, but there's like a... When I first <laughs> saw this title, I was thinking of, what is it, KM31, the Mexican horror movie about La Llorona? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that. Yeah, clearly nope. not. No. Yeah, this is. I, I think it's Mike Pecci. It's it's it, he's at M I K E P E C C I on Instagram, and the reason I heard about this, it's a short horror. It's only twenty five minutes, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, the only reason I heard about this is a narrator of mine uh, uh, shared. A, um, a video that someone had made about, hey, have you guys heard about this movie director who's only letting you see his movie if you DM him on Instagram? Oh, that's not creepy. It's not. But so what it is, is if you go to Mike Pecci, uh, I think it's Pecci, again, P-E-C-C-I, on Instagram, and you send him a DM of your top three favorite horror movies, if they pass... I don't know what his criteria are. He sends you a link to multiple language versions of the Vimeo video with the password. Interesting. It is. More interesting is the reactions. Is because some people are pissed. They hate it. They're like, whoa, how are you gatekeeping this? And da da da. And, and one person's like, if if he doesn't let me see this video, I'm making sure it never sees the light of day. It's like, well, first of all, this was made in 2016. So it's Second done. of all, are you a 12-year-old Call of Duty player? Like, what do you? What level of power do you think you have as a random commenter on Instagram to stop someone from a, releasing a movie? Like, okay, good for you. And maybe this is his way of getting around, like, SAG WGA. I don't know if that was on the horizon for him in the first place but again it was 2016 no so really what this just sounds like is viral marketing of yeah hey if you want to see it let's see if you really want to see it and i i think it's worth it it's it's like 25 minutes it's shot real well and now part of it i dig is because it's actually based on a lesser known creepypasta that i'm a big fan of i actually wrote a version of it for creepy in the past um, there have been recent, I mean, I guess it's on, it, it's on, um, IMDB. So you, I didn't, I intentionally didn't put the synopsis in mm-hmm. if people wanted to kind of go through my shoes of like, I don't even know what this is about. I didn't try to look it up. I sent him my movies. He sent me the link like a, a, a couple of days later. 
Um, so I'm intentionally not sharing it, but it had a creepy pasta vibe for me, very heavy vibe. And, but it was shot really well. Like it was actually like shot like beautifully, frankly, like for a short horror movie, I guess a lot of short horror movies are just shot really well. I think sometimes when you have that condensed time frame anyway, mm-hmm. it's like, well, let's not waste money on just filming with a phone. Yeah. And I know and now there are movies and TV shows that part of them are shot on phones, but it looked like it had a really good eye, like from a cinema or uh, a cinematography standpoint. And it just, it worked. It was a good 25 minutes. I'd totally watch it again. If my link hasn't expired, I have no idea. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. Um, but I also thought it was just kind of fun. It was just like a little like, oh, okay. Like it's not, it's like going to a speakeasy or something. You, 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 yeah, you, you only said the get... passcode and you got let in the door. Exactly. You know, in these days with the speakeasies, it still exists. You just Google real quick. Like, what do I have to say to get in? Yeah. You know, and it, this is that equivalent. It's just a little barrier of entry. That sound that just sounds like a fun way to market the movie. And, and I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. So, um, 12 kilometers and you can find it. On Instagram, if you DM your top three favorite horror movies to Mike Pecci, or P-E-C-C-I. So, yeah. I'm, I thought it was fun. I imagine it's probably like a proof of concept that he's just having fun with and how he shares that. I, I think so. And he's like, hey, you like horror? I like horror. Tell me your f- three favorite. I don't think he's actually judging people no, he's based just, on what horror movies. He's like, oh, cool. You like horror movies. Let's, or let's play you know this. the names of three horror movies. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. That's fun. How about you, Megan? I was a little jealous that I assigned you a werewolf movie. So I assigned <laughs> myself a werewolf movie. Um, it's a little bit confusing if you go to look at it because it's Roma Santa. But if you're searching, I watched this on Prime Video. Um, it's under Werewolf Hunter Romo Santa. So it's kind of got a few different titles, so play with it. But Roma Santa is the name. And it is um, kind of one of those based on a true story period pieces uh, set in 1851 where Roma Santa was a serial killer who said he's, he wasn't to blame. He's a werewolf. It's the werewolf side that it, that that's who did the killings, but it's um, directed by Paco Plaza who did, um, he co-directed rec one and two and Veronica. Um, and it is more drama leaning than horror, but if you are a werewolf obsessive, um, you know, definitely, put it on your your list there but it's basically a drama where this um traveling vendor manuel roma santa played by julian sands which oh r.i.p r.i.p man so good um he seeks the affections he's like very into this woman named barbara played by ella patanki who is married to uh thor uh Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, she's in the Fast and Furious franchise too, if you like that. But uh, anyway, um, she's she's a woman. She's lost a lot of family members to a serial killer, and um, is getting wooed by this guy who you know might be a werewolf. So it is very much more drama leaning. I think if you've seen like Julian Sands and a lot of other kind of horror dramas, it's a lot like that. It's produced by Brian Yuzna. And the feel of it, because it's clearly like a Spanish movie doing an English language movie, and it's got that weird kind of stilted acting that that mm. reminded me of Dagon, which was also produced by Brian Yesna. So it's kind of got that vibe to it. Um, a lot of real wolves in the movie. There is an interesting reverse 
transformation that I like. I feel like werewolf movies should have at least one good transformation or reverse transformation. So it has that. Um, but it's all right as far as plot and stuff. But, um, and then I do this thing that maybe I feel like you especially do where you just have things playing on in the background, which is why I all the time. Yeah. It's why I gravitate (laughs) towards like Pluto TV. Like I'll put Pluto Mm. TV on the weekends because it emulates cable. I don't, I've cut cords long ago, so I don't actually have cable so that's what I, I was did doing. that with Shutter this weekend, and Deadstream was playing. Did and you? I made sure to thread that out. Let people yeah, know. <laughs> I was having issues with Shutter, so I I couldn't watch that. I ended up with Pluto TV, and then you know the Horror Channel they had Oculus, and I found myself getting mm. sucked into that one because I I caught bits and pieces of it on TV, but I haven't full on revisited since I saw it in theaters in twenty what was that twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you don't know, um, it's a woman who tries to exonerate her brother who is convicted of murder by setting up this elaborate plan to prove that the mirror in their parents' house is haunted and it caused the devastation of their family, not him as a kid who got sent to a mental institution and took the fall for it. So it's um, early Mike Flanagan. It's Really interesting how he does this. Um, You know, like I remember reading an interview with him where he talked about how the studios initially wanted him to do this found footage style. And he's like, well, that cannot work because what a found footage film, Mm. you, you see that. And that's actually what's happening. Whereas the camera is not being objective in Oculus. You can't trust your eyes. And I love that about this story. I also, it's kind of interesting my cat is in my way. So John's just looking at my cat. Um, so it's interesting because, you know, this was early. I feel like this was early introduction for many of us for Mike Flanagan. And mm-hmm. this is the first movie that he worked with Kate Siegel, who, mm-hmm. who plays a ghost. And I didn't connect that because I didn't know who she was at the time when this was released. So it's very cute to kind of see this as like, this is where they met and they're now happily married with kids. Um, so yeah, it's a very interesting movie. It's really well done. I can definitely see how this helped launch, you know, his traje- trajectory. And I lost my... Tra- oh, yes. This was also the movie that was kind of like... Because he did this based on a short. And that short, the way that he pitched Oculus and the way that he pitched that mirror that has since kind of shown up in all of his movies is that it's a portable shining hotel, like a portable overlook. Oh, so it is a very good pitch. And now you can see why he got Dr. Sleep and you can look and see the Oculus mirror in that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's you can't watch Haunting of Hill House and then watch Oculus and be like, well, these aren't the same guys. It is very you very quickly start to be like, oh, this is Flanagan. Yeah, like this is his style. Like you definitely start to pick up on those shots. It's like Benicio or not. God, I do it every time. Guillermo del Toro. Keep calling Benicio. <laughs> Two uh, different dudes. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro, same way. Visually, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, like there's it's either Lovecraftian or there's some sort of a clock mechanism. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, oh, I think I know who this is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good one. There's some genuinely good scares in Oculus. It's a it's a good one. Ran out of steam there. <laughs> it happens. There's no Xena. It's hard. I know. She's our, She's our magic spice. She's our, our like caffeine free shot of caffeine. Yeah. Uh, okay. Before we move on, what did we watch and how did we watch it? I watched three things, but I'm only talking about two this week. First being 2004's Ginger Snaps 2, available on Shutter. 
and what turns out to be 2016's 12 kilometers, which I saw on Vimeo through a uh, link that I got from at M-I-K-E-P-E-C-C-I. Nice. I watched uh, Romo Santa or Werewolf Hunter Romo Santa on Prime Video and Oculus on Pluto TV. Uh, And because I have one of Xena's picks for next week anyway, I think I'm good because I still have some videos that I got from the closed video store to go through. So I'll chat about one of those next week. Sounds good. Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan Riggs up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror while we can. So what's going on, Megan? Uh, It's not movie news, but it is movie news. So following last year's Suspiria tour, and probably the year before that, because I did this, uh, Claudio Simonetti's Goblin is hitting the road this fall to perform the live score to Demons, followed by a set of other classic Goblin Mm -hmm. compositions across North America. Uh, Goblin founding keyboardist Claudio Simonetti plays with a new manifestation of the instrument Italian instrumental act that includes uh, guitarist Daniel Amador, bassist Cecilia Napo, and drummer Federico Maragoni. Um, in addition to the Demon's Dates, the bands will play Best Set Of at Erie Horror Fest in Pennsylvania. Uh, the tour's Canadian stops will feature a Suspiria live score. You can go to uh, Claudio Simonetti's Goblin t- site for tickets um you can get meet and greet or regular tickets i bring this up because i love demons we've talked about demons on the show before and i actually have done when they came when claudio simonetti's goblin came through town before i went and if you are a lazy person like me who gets overwhelmed by excessive like concert crowds Maybe check it out because I it was I was comfortable. I was seated. It's not a super massive seller event. It's like hardcore fans, you know. So it's a smaller crowd. I was seated, and it's really cool to be able to watch the screen and see clips from these movies play while the band is jamming in front of it. So it's kind of like a concert for horror movie nerds. So highly recommend. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to put that on your radar, especially if you love demons. Um, Netflix has announced their live action horror movie, Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead, which will premiere on August 3rd. And they unleashed an official trailer for it, which has a giant, massive zombie shark. So that's on my notice right away. The uh, film is a feature length live action adaptation of the Japanese manga. Uh, Netflix previews the upcoming Zom 100 bucket list of the dead as a fresh zombie comedy come to life, packed with laughs and thrills for anyone stressed out by, by modern society. And the concept is that it follows Akira Tendo, who works at an exploitive company, suffering endless hours and harassment from his boss. He feels more dead than alive. And then he awakes one day to discover that his town is devastated and overrun by zombies. And that inspires him to go down his bucket list. So hmm. instead of jury zombie apocalypse, this zombie apocalypse inspires somebody to start living their lives. Kind of zombie landish. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is based on a manga. There is like an animated series, um, I think, already in the works or coming to Crunchyroll, something like that. I will. I will look that up later. And then um, last but not least, and also very kind of relevant to current events, uh, 20th Century Studios, New Regency, and Entertainment One released a full official trailer for a sci-fi action thriller, The Creator, from Gareth Edwards, who directed uh, Godzilla and Rogue One. The film opens in theaters September 29th. 
they obviously debuted a trailer to coincide with that announcement. Um, and the creator admits a future war between the human race and forces of artificial intelligence. Joshua, a hardened ex-special forces agent grieving the disappearance of his wife, is recruited to hunt down and kill the creator, an elusive architect of the advanced AI who has developed a mysterious weapon with the power to end the war in mankind itself. So, you know, mankind versus AI, but sci-fi thriller dystopia style. Uh, Good for them for making a thing. And I don't want to think about that. It was so much easier when it was Terminator and it just seemed like this silly play to fancy. And now, now every it's threatening day, jobs that could affect mine. Every day, all I hear is Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. You kept asking if you could. You never asked if you should. Every yeah. day. Yeah, but I do love Gareth Edwards a lot. So, Well, there you go. We got that going for us. <laughs> Yeah. All right, listeners, your turn. Are you an introvert who likes demons? Are there extroverts who likes demons? Sure. They're probably. They're, They're out there somewhere. We're all verts for demons. There you go. We're all verts. You know what's really crazy? You, the listeners, have no idea if we're really AI. <gasps> I mean, obviously, Xena isn't because you can't recreate that. No. But yeah, I just wanted to leave that with you. What do you think about that? <laughs> you can call our text at 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes, or feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Megan's going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clue us in what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Megan, what's happening? Um, I'm not going to do a good job, like Zeta. This is uh, where, nobody where, can. Nobody can. Um, so, Friday, this Friday, Natty Knox releases on VOD. So does Mother May I. And probably the most prominent one, uh, Cobweb, hits theaters. We've talked about Cobweb before. And, you know, live your life. But Bloody Disgusting TV and Screenbox, they're uh, they're nailing it. So go check them out. Ah, that felt too on the rails. We need Xena back. I know. I know. I, I apologize. You've heard my voice enough as it is this week. The combination of excitement and fear is just so hard I to know. simulate. <laughs> And that's the Bladies Custom Podcast for this week, everyone. See, that's how AI is going to lose. They really aren't going to figure out Xena. They're going to try. They're going to try. Like, ah, damn it. We can't. We can't replace her. No. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at Lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. And I'm going to be at Midsummer Scream in a couple of weeks. So oh. if you live around Long Beach, you get to see me being awkward. Yeah, Yay. don't go do it in person. I know. Live show, panel, everything of. Whew. You're going to do great. Yeah, okay. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out all things Bloody Disgusting on TikTok at BeDisgusting. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. And support the writers and Screen Actors Guild Strike. Solidarity. Solidarity.